here. We're doing it. I am recording to the cloud, not recording to my machine. And I am so excited for today's episode. And I know I always say that, but I'm very, very excited to be talking to Dr. Nico White of Nico White Consulting. Dr. Nika, thank you so much for joining me on Office Hours. Thank you so much, MK, for having me. I'm super excited to share this space with you. I am as well, too. And that's a new phrase that I'm learning as well, too, to share the space with you. It's a, it's a way for us to each recognize and acknowledge one another in this time and whatever we bring into this conversation. It's just, it's all, it's all good. It's all inclusive. Um, yes. So in addition to being the, the founder and the lead consultant at Nika White Consulting, you have a long background in marketing. And I just love to learn about your journey going from marketing and how you use that to help create more spaces for others to talk about building diverse, equitable, and inclusive environments. Sure. So, so this is true. We do share um, our, our common um, background in marketing communications. It's actually how I started my career, and it's what my undergraduate degree is in. Um, you know, MK, when I was in that field day in and day out, I absolutely loved it. I thought that I was in my element and that I was going to be in that space for the long haul in terms of my career trajectory. I loved everything about it, you know, on time, on budget, fast pace, on strategy, all of that um, was, was certainly something that I could appreciate. And I remember sitting in my office one day thinking about how much I just enjoyed this career path of marketing communications. And I began to ponder why aren't there others who look like me as a black female that's taking advantage of what I felt was a very fulfilling and rewarding career path. And when I started really taking inventory of the fact that marketing professionals, those who work in advertising agencies, it's their charge to be smart and effective marketing partners to their clients whose consumer constituencies represent diverse America, right? And so that was a big deal for me. And I thought, well, why aren't we doing more to help create success for our clients by simply being intentional to create this diverse workforce where we have all of these experiences and perspectives we can draw from to be able to lead, you know, campaigns, design work and, and other strategies from a marketing perspective. And I couldn't let that go. So at the time I was with an ad agency and they are based in Greenville, South Carolina, but they also have a presence in New York. So I was in between both offices and I was quite envious of the level of diversity of the office in New York, but even New York was challenged, right? The advertising capital of the world was challenged as well. And I knew at that time that the attorney general was knocking on many of those agencies doors saying, you have to diversify, our industry depends upon it. So this is not a suggestion, it is a mandate. What are you gonna do? We'll be back in six months to find out. And so there was a business case, right? You know, so here we are in Greenville, South Carolina. Why are we waiting for someone to knock on our door to tell us something that is the obvious, that we need to diversify because the industry depends on it. Our business success and competitive advantage depends upon it. So I, I had a similar narrative with the president CEO who was very hands-on at the time. He listened intently, asked some very thought-provoking questions. And at the end of the conversation, to my surprise, he said, Nika, I agree, we need to do this. And you're going to lead it. Now tell me how. And so I had to become really smart, really quick to lead this organization on this journey that I didn't know much about, but I have the wherewithal to have some really smart people in my camp that were creating success in this space for organizations that they were affiliated with. And um, so that 
that began my my journey of becoming this DEI practitioner. I just began to immerse myself. And then long story short, fast forward several years later, I began doing this work for organizations in a full-time capacity. And then fast forward some additional years later, I then um, launched my business, which is directly centered around um, intersecting DEI with leadership and business, working with all types of clients. It's it's so funny when you walk through this right now, it sounds almost like the, the change was, was brought to you. You had no choice but to really <laughs> come and rise to the occasion and bring all of your talents out into this space. And one of the things I want to dive in on with you as well is that even in marketing, one of the most important things that we're hearing very frequently, especially from marginalized communities, that representation matters. And I love the way that you put that, that set same phrase, but especially for marketers, especially in marketing, representation within the folks that you hire within your organization, how you build your organization and the types of people you introduce to that environment are going to produce the type of marketing where representation and inclusivity is at the heart of everything that you do. And I think as a marketer, looking like I do, being you know gender non-binary, very androgynous, there there are very few people out there in leadership positions of marketing that look and feel like me um, or have the same type of shared experience as me. Um, and so I'd like to spend some time kind of reflecting a little bit about the impacts of not having representation um, on creating marketing that is, you know, not inclusive, that feels, you know, very much the same as other as other things. So when you think about representation and marketing, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts around that. Well, I think it's just critically important for um, marketing professionals to think about how to break through the clutter, right? You know, that's one of the challenges every single day. There's so many different opportunities for people to be exposed to different messages that can influence them. And so we have to make sure we're being really smart about um, capturing the attention of those that we want to be exposed to certain brands and messages and, and be called to action. And so representation matters because people want to see themselves in, in whatever the scenario is. And so um, I think that there was a time when I was in marketing communications, it, it was very uh, much a, a natural response to gravitate towards certain people when you were doing casting, you know, opportunities, mm -hmm. or when you were even writing about people and their experiences, it seemed to have been very narrow. And it was a really centered around whiteness, really, really centered around whiteness. And so when you think about brands have a need to um, increase the market share by having their messages to resonate with people that are parts of other communities, you're going to have to make sure that those individuals can see themselves in, in what you're presenting. And so representation is huge. And I also think that it has a lot to say about people's need to just have a sense of belonging. You know, at the core of inclusion is people's desire to feel seen, valued, and heard, right? Mm -hmm. And if people yep. don't feel like they belong someplace or like they're seen, they're not going to be called to action in a way that can, you know, lend itself towards opportunities that many brands and companies, you know, want. And so I think it just behooves each of us to think intently about what is the experience that we're putting out there into the, the universe and who's going to be able to identify with it and resonate with it to where then they're called to action. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, everything that you're putting down, I'm picking up here, right? That there is, 
<laughs> what you do to draw audiences in is really going to make the impact on, on the industry and on the audiences that you serve. And I think inclusivity and having representation for the folks that are actually helping to build those marketing experiences do draw and attract audiences that are, you know, in a way that's going to be authentic in a way that's going to be genuine to them. And that's where I'm finding, so you use the word clutter, that's what marketing has become now, right? Marketing is just clutter. And I do believe that marketers and sellers have a place right now to either create more clutter, create more of that stuff that gets like shoved in the corners or to create a meaningful statement piece. And so few of the marketers and sellers that are out there right now because of tools like sales automation tools, marketing automation tools, It's easy to create generic experiences. So my question to you is, as you think about inclusivity in marketing, how can that actually help to propel and elevate the standard of excellence that we're seeing today, which the bar is very low, so we don't have a very high bar of excellence around marketing, but how does using empathy and inclusivity a, a charter for marketers today to create that type of a marketing that creates experiences that feel more personal, that feel more one-to-one and our statement piece is not cluttered. Right. So tapping into people's feelings and emotions is, you know, one of the, the most simple forms of being able to have a messaging platform or campaign to resonate with someone. So obviously we can't ignore the feelings, right? And so I think that the connection point to cause people to take notice and to feel like you see me, you hear me, has everything to do with, um, you know, creating that right balance of, of understanding people, right? And you can't understand people if you're so on the surface to where you don't really realize their pain points, what makes them smile, what makes them happy, what makes them fearful. And so all of that plays a significant role in how effective a marketing piece can be. You know, marketing right now, it's not just about selling widgets or a product or a service, it's about selling ideas movements, um, you know, getting people to a place to where, again, they can be called to action. I think that part of the challenge right now is that we're seeing a lot of brands that are acting performative, right? And even though that may not be their intent, uh, that's how it's coming across. And if we were to really drill down and understand how they got to the place of, of where they landed with that marketing message, um, I guarantee you that probably nine times out of 10, it's because they failed to exercise the rigor and the due diligence to really understand their audience and to really understand the implications of this message and how it will land on different types of people. And quite mm-hmm. honestly, people are, they're calling, they're calling those brands out and they are, they're criticizing those brands. And then it creates this other situation where now you're having to course correct. And so I think it just behooves marketers to be very thoughtful on the front end to try to avoid that so that you aren't having to go back and then, you know, undo something that sometimes is quite hard um, to come back from. So empathy and vulnerability and authenticity are, are huge. And it's not about always um, getting it right. It's also about just that willingness to continue to even admit maybe when you're wrong, but then continue to keep trying to get it right as well. I think about when George Floyd's murder 
uh, May 25th of, of 2020, so many brands were trying to figure out how do we show up in this moment? And many brands missed a key opportunity of just sitting with the discomfort and learning and letting that then inform what they should do next. But they were operating off of this knee-jerk reaction of we have to just have get something out there. We have to say something and do something. And quite honestly, many of them fell flat because their messages, they, they rung hollow to many people who were on the receiving end. Um, and it's not about a singular message in time. It's about what you do before the message, what you do most importantly importantly, after the message to align words with action. So I think there's a lot to be said for even when brands are communicating their messaging strategy, if you're doing it from a standpoint where you want people to know how, how you organizationally are showing up, you're going to have to make sure that you have something that's pretty substantial um, behind those words that you can point to as evidence. Yeah, I think that's a very clear distinction too between performative marketing and then real, tangible, genuine, authentic marketing too. Um, and one of the things that you talked about actually that, that I think a lot of marketers really tr are afraid of, honestly, is the, that buzzword you use, cancel culture. Um, yes. And a lot of the marketers that I talk to around this topic, they are so, so fear, fearful of cancel culture. Yes. And you, in just in this conversation, has given all of us marketers permission to, it's not about being right. You don't have to be right. Um, as long as the actions, like what you do speaks louder than your words. Um, and so I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts around cancel culture and now how that's actually shaping the marketing. So it, it's neutral, it's generic enough that it's not going to cause attention, it's not going to ruffle any feathers. Yeah. So MK, I'm not a big fan of the council culture. I'm not a fan at all. <laughs> um, and I believe it's because we are at this point in society where we need everyone to be engaged in this work of creating equity, inclusivity, spaces of belonging for all. And so my thought process is people have different mental models. You know, people are entering this conversation at different points in times and different knowledge base. And so I want people to do this work because of and not despite of. And I think that the way to get around that is to be able to be flexible enough to recognize that we're gonna to have to exercise some level of fluidity in terms of people's mental models and how in which they're entering and engaging in this conversation. It doesn't matter if we perceive individually that somebody is late to the conversation, they're here now. So what are we gonna do? And so I tend to believe that we have an option. We have an option to support them in their journey where they are and to help us all emerge stronger. Or we have, you know, certainly we can take the, the standpoint of I'm going to now counsel them out and criticize and shame, guilt, blame, but I don't, I don't think that's productive at all. And so, you know, I think that we have to be willing to meet people where they are. Otherwise, if people feel attacked and they feel counseled, they're going to stop trying. And right now we need everyone to be engaged in this work so that as a society, we can emerge stronger. So that, that's my take on the council culture. I, I think we come at this from very similar perspectives, right? Because you you talked about the journey, right? And in the way that marketers really architect and obsess over the buyer's journey, each person is under their own type of journey if with uh, diversity, definite inclusion and being more inclusive and being more mindful. So as we look at our prospects as in the awareness stage, as they're just getting education yes. and they progress to consideration, decision, purchase, we as humans are also on that same journey as we understand the truths that are out there as we look at trying to build environments where equity is at the heart of everything that we do. And as we try to build marketing that 
emotionally resonates and is meaningful and is impactful and is not clutter or wasteful. Right. Um, so I love the I love the approach that you take with cancel culture because it also empowers and emboldens marketers to be thinking bigger, to be thinking about the fact that they can make a really big impact um, with the marketing that they do, even if it is just for one person. Um, ideally, mm -hmm. you know, obviously we're working it and we're trying to work for persona-based work marketing, but we here at Alice, we care about the person, not the persona. And so when you break through and you spend your time thinking about just that one person and what's meaningful for them, you use the word emotion, understanding more beyond just the, the demographic or you right. know, the, the psychographic, understanding more about like what makes them smile, what makes them laugh, what makes them feel safe, what makes them feel the word you use was seen. Create marketing like that and people will come and just be drawn to your brand because of the authenticity in it. Not because you're performative and you've like, you know, put rainbow washed your logo in, you know, on pride month, or, you know, yeah. you've, you've posted, you know, once about black history month, there are right. so many other ways in which you can invite people into interacting with your brand that just make them feel seen and made them feel heard mm -hmm. as the people that they are. Yeah. And here's the thing, MK, we're all going to make mistakes. But if if the norm is the consistency of this authenticity, then people are going to be much more inclined to extend forgiveness and grace where they need to if someone does, you know, step into a territory that unknowingly um you know, produce some negative results or for others. And so I believe that it's so important for brands to also leverage a little bit of risk taking, you know, because mm -hmm. right now I find that there's so many people who stay in a bubble because they're just afraid of, I don't know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. So I'm just going to stay quiet and, you know, turn a blind eye to what's going on. And so we have to be willing as marketers to take risk and be bold about it. But taking risk, it certainly comes not without the the void of, of ever stepping into a territory where you may make a mistake. And that's okay. We often say mm -hmm. it at NWC at my firm, you know, one of our core values is courage. We encourage people to choose courage over comfort. It's not comfortable sometimes taking the risk to take a position on these messages that feel like they are outside of maybe the lane of these brands, but such big rewards are on the other end of it when they do. Yeah. When I think that that's where key learning happens, right? I love that phrase, courage over comfort, but when we're in a comfort zone, we don't really grow. We don't really learn. Mm -hmm. We don't really push ourselves. And it's only in that state of discomfort that we do evolve, that we do change yeah. and that we do get to Take, use the word bold, but to take bold steps forward to evolve the space and stop seeing the same generic types of experiences that we're all trying to create or rip right. off of each other. I know they say right. good artists borrow, but great artists steal, <laughs> but we should not be stealing what's out there right now. And that the same like rinse and repeat formula that's out there, especially in MarTech, we all start to look very much and sound very much alike from one another. Yeah. Um, I'm super curious as, as you do embolden your team with like, you know, like courage over comfort. Yeah. How do you use that to actually galvanize your team around empathy as well? And we, we use this, this episode, this podcast for a lot of leaders. And I think leaders are starting to get more tuned into the empathy that they need to be leading and, and guiding their team with. But how do you use a credo like courage over comfort to build more empathy in your day to day? 
It's such a good question. Um, you know, and, and my response is going to be simple, but it's just being over communicative and it's finding those moments where we can just coalesce around some common ground. Um, I'll give you just a very simple example. We have a relatively small team and our culture is one that's really caring. We have deep compassion for each other. We wanna see each other you know, excel and to be well and whole and successful. And so we don't mind rolling our sleeves up and just jumping in, dividing and conquering where we need to so that as a collective, we all can be at our best. And so when we do our check-ins or our team meetings, a portion of our time is really just, you know, um, questions to engage each other, to just deepen the relationship, to cultivate the relationship, to understand who each other are, you know, not just by title and how you show up as we normally see you, but the, the deeper aspects of who you are. Um, so one of the check-in questions we had recently was each person had to introduce themselves by telling, who are you? They had to answer that seven times. Who are you? So just imagine MK answering, who am I seven times? So by the time you get to like the third or fourth, you're really having to drill down and think, think deep. You know, we spend so much time sharing our titles, who we are, maybe that we're a mother, maybe that we're that we're a spouse. I mean, all these different things, but people were sharing some, some really vulnerable things. And we all walked away with just this level of appreciation of seeing that time as, as a gift as a gift, a gift for us to know each other on a deepened level. And so I think that's part of those small types of examples are part of how in which in our culture, we like to create that sense of empathy, compassion, concern, vulnerability, and authenticity, which is important. It took courage for some of what each of us shared um, as we were, you know, just taking our turns. And, but it was just such a beautiful moment. And I, um, and I, I value things like that because I think that it, it helps us to also be more effective at our work and helping our clients um, to be vulnerable, especially around this, this very complex topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But that's what people want to see and feel and experience is that level of authenticity and vulnerability. Yeah, so. they do. And it, and it does start with how you lead and, and guide your team and give them right. permission to fail, right? Like, Courage only yes. happens when you know that failure is an option and you're okay with that fate. And Absolutely. you're also okay with the fact that those learnings are actually from that failure are going to make you stronger. They're yes. going to make you better. And it's yes. going to help you produce better results in the long run. So Absolutely. it's our almost mantra, like this. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say our mantra at NWC is grow better. And it's for that purpose, mm. yes. And that's yeah. also a part of how we do that. We allow people to recognize that we're all gonna make mistakes. The only way you're not gonna make a mistake is if you're standing still and you're just doing nothing, right? And we don't want those people on our team. We want people that are willing to take risk and to try. And, um, and then once you try, let's just say that whatever you try did not meet the mark, that's okay. We're gonna grow better from this. But we can't grow better if we don't grow at all, which means we, we have to take some steps to at least try, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's so well put. And, and I'm, as I connect the dots of today's conversation, we always think about the end. And the end in this journey is the content that we put out there in front of our prospects and customers or the campaigns we've launched. But really, the, the starting point should be how we construct our teams and how we create an environment within our workplaces that are more inclusive, that are more mindful, that have representation 
And then that breeds the ability to grow and change and accept failure as an option. And as long as you're willing to grow and grow better, like the Nikawa consulting team. <laughs> and that is where you can take risks and be bold. And you can put the type of marketing out there that speaks to your audiences on a personal level because of how authentic it is and not performative it is. And then you can put that out in front of your audiences and that's what attracts folks to want to be drawn into your business and, and to do business with you. Absolutely, absolutely. So beautiful. I am so excited that you agreed to share some space with me to talk about where you know inclusivity in marketing can really make a big difference for authenticity, for being as personal as possible. Um, I know that Google is one of the best tools out there for researching how to create <laughs> environments that do foster and breed uh, inclusivity and authenticity. Mm -hmm. But if someone is, is looking for like the 201 or the 301 or even 401 class for how to create marketing that isn't pandering, that isn't performative, where might they go to find out more information? Oh, you know, I wish I had some resources immediately in my head that I can point them to. Um, and, and nothing comes to mind immediately. I'm one of those individuals that I believe is kind of hard to have one solid model. What I tend to do is research and be able to extract things from different brands, different organizations to be able to create the own, you know, the old mold and model. And so I'll have to give that some thought maybe and get back with you, MK. But um, please do. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about I ask this question? Um, okay. What book is currently sitting right alongside you right now or, you know, by your bedside? <laughs> what are you binging right now that other folks? folks might find some find as a source of inspiration. Yes. Okay. So right now, um, Better Allies by Karen Catlin is a book that yes. uh, my team is reading. In fact, we're hosting a spring book club where Karen Catlin is going to be joining us um, to talk about ways in which we can help create spaces um, of, of equity, belonging, and inclusion. And she is just such a great practitioner in this space. Many people have um, really learned a lot from from her newsletters and her social media content and this is actually the second edition of the better allies book that she just released not too long ago and so um yeah i i encourage people to pick the book up and and even if you feel so inclined to want to increase your inclusivity muscle um as you grow and you learn in that in that regard um join us for the book club we actually have two dates in april april 22nd and the 29th and um, the sessions are going to be from eight to nine Eastern Standard Time. And again, it's just going to be a great dialogue with uh, my team, as well as with Karen, as we talk through some of these specifics that um, people are learning as they grow in their allyship ability. Perfect. What we'll do when we post this out to all our channels, we'll actually include a link to join the book club right. to really de decompress and digest the book, Better Allies. Um, I know we have a copy in our house as well, too. So we'll be reading <laughs> along with you and the Nico White Consulting theme. Thank you so much again for your time, yeah. for your energy, and of course your wisdom. Um, you know, as we're on this journey through this uh, this original series, we're just trying to make marketing better and like just trying yeah. to elevate the space to understand that it is about being authentic and mm -hmm. it is about being personal. And so I'm so glad that you got to be part of this journey as we discover what it takes in this day and age to create something that's very compelling and meaningful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I just want to commend you and the work of all the other members at Alice that are putting forth out um, this great content, because I think that if people in the industry aren't talking about this, then the industry is not going to be able to grow from it and be able to incorporate it in a meaningful way. And so this is where it starts. Thank you. 
course. Always, we're in the awareness stage. We're educating so people can move to the foot. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you again <laughs> so, so much. And we hope we can have you back for another episode, maybe later sure. on in the year, where we talk I about like that. psychological safety. I don't know. We'll see. There you go. We'll love it. Fantastic. All right.